Welcome back to the After Everything Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep. On today's episode, Gabe, Giannis, and I, we dive into it. We talk about what's on our mind. We talk about questions that you've been sending us online. And I really enjoy this episode. I always enjoy these episodes. This week, it starts off with us talking about an emergency medicine course that I took, lessons learned, things I'm thinking about for the future, which then stems us into you know our craziest situation that's came up for us. I talk about one that came up a year or two with my family and I. Um, definitely a, a crazy situation that I hope never happens again. We talk about that. And then finally, we go into you know gym owners, coaches, a lot of value for you guys. We talk about different things that are coming up here at NC Fit. And for athletes, we, of course, dive into fitness. I love chatting with Gabe. We always have fun stuff to talk about. I hope you enjoy these episodes. If you missed yesterday's Alan Galani episode, you got to check that one out. This guy's an incredible athlete. At the top of his game, at 49, he is an incredible, incredible human being. He has a bunch of mindset tips and tools and, and lessons that he's learned over the years competing professionally that I really think added value. So make sure you check out yesterday's episode. Enjoy this episode. And make sure you're checking out all the other top blue Khalifas. I hope you and your family are doing well. Keep training hard in the gym. Keep getting after it outside the gym. And let's dive into a great episode with Mr. Gabe Giannis. Let's go. All right, brother. We are we are live. We are recording. Um, I'm talking to you live from our Campbell location. And um, yeah, ready to rock and roll, man. How's the morning been for you so far? Or actually, it's like midday over there, dude. Are you? What time did you get up at? Like nine o'clock or what? <laughs> it's ten twenty. Ten twenty. So definitely been up for a few hours. It's still morning though. Definitely still morning. Yeah. Same here. Same here. I got a uh, dude. I got my water. I got my coffee. Ready to rock and roll. Um, dude, so I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff we could talk about. Last week, we talked about my first jiu-jitsu tournament. Talked a little bit about customs and border protection. Um, I thought it was a really fun episode. If you didn't check that one out, make sure to go back to last week and check that out. Um, also talked a little bit on Cough with Kalipa about overcommitting, which I thought was good. And this upcoming week, if you're listening to this just on this last Monday, uh, the topic of conversation was um, in, in relations to leaving no doubt. And that was inspired by my jiu-jitsu tournament as well. So make sure you check out some of those things. It's cool little snippets. And uh, dude, so last week I took my first um, IFAC um, individual first aid kit course. And basically what the inspiration was is that I work with the local police departments here quite often on fitness. And typically they'll also take me through and I've worked a lot of firearms training with them. But in this particular case, I wanted to know how to react at like a first aid situation in particular, you know, uh, just anything you could think of, right? When you think of uh, emergency first aid. And so I have this first aid kit in my car called IFAC and it has a bunch of shit in it, but I didn't know how to use it. And so I took a course uh, this last weekend on it and it was really eye-opening to me about how even just a little bit of education on something can make you feel so much more comfortable on how to utilize that tool, even if you spend four or five hours on it. Um, so anyways, I, I want to talk a little bit about that lessons learned and kind of go from there, dude. Yeah, I mean, it, I, that specific first aid kit or or the course, I hadn't heard of, but I'll definitely look into it. You know, we talked about the sheepdog course that I took a, a couple months ago. And part of the requirements, like stuff that you had to bring to the course was a tourniquet. Mm. So going into it, like I did a little bit of research, you know, there was a whole bunch of different tourniquets. And it's funny because like some of the reviews, like there was ones that were a lot cheaper than other ones, but then like makes sense, like reading the reviews, there's like, you know, you probably don't want to skip <laughs> this one breaks. Uh, yeah. a tourniquet, right? Yeah. yeah. So 
we ended up buying um, a tourniquet, learning how to use it. And now it's something that I, I it's always in my backpack. Like it's in my uh, check um, carry-on bag. It's in the backpack that I take when I come to California. It's in, you know, it's usually in my car. I just have it at all times. And it was funny because when I told one of my friends about it, you know, they kind of thought it was crazy because, you know, a situation that you would need a tourniquet for is a really bad situation, right? Really bad like situation. It's, it's worst case scenario. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, you'd like to think that that kind of stuff will never happen to you or around you. But it's also one of those things that if it ever were to happen, not being prepared, not, you know, because the tourniquet, I mean, it's tiny. It, it takes zero room in, zero in, room. in my book bag. It, it, like, yeah. it doesn't impede anything. Yeah. It's, it's there and I know how to use it. And to your point, you know, I don't know if it like consciously gives me a sense of like, you know, feeling more comfortable out there in like the crazy world we live in. But I, I just think that it's something that's so small and took relatively very little time, little expense that can go such a long way if it were to ever be the case that I would need to have it handy and, and be able to use it. Like, yeah. you know, not to be, not to exaggerate or be dramatic, but it could, it could literally save the life of a loved one that I'm with, right? Oh yeah. Dude, you know what's funny about the, the tourniquet in particular is that, you, I mean, you're spot on. And I think one of the things I recognize from this course I took is for me not to have a false impression on my skills. It is something I was thinking about as I was going through it, meaning like, for example, I've done self-defense courses and you spend three to four hours working self-defense and then all of a sudden, you know, it gives you this false perception that if you're in a self-defense situation, you could defend yourself. Well, yeah, you probably learned some new skills some self-awareness and whatnot, but let's not kid ourselves. We're not experts in that. But with the turning kit in particular, just at least knowing how to apply it, specifically, even if you had to apply it to yourself with one arm was pretty interesting. How to store it was cool. And then what types there are. And one of the things that I didn't realize, so the turning kit that we were working with, we were working with a variety of them, but in particular one we had, and I'm sure yours is probably similar, it had almost like a, a pencil looking thing. And then it was like almost and like a belt, that's like a Velcro uh, type belt. And then basically after you apply it tight, you then spin the pencil for lack of a better term and it goes into a clamp. Is that kind of the one that you have? Yeah, yeah. It weighs about maybe three ounces. It's super light, super simple. And pencil might not be the best term, like plastic stick might be a better term. Um, but what I didn't realize, and we were working on these other ones, is do you know voodoo floss? You know, you know what voodoo floss is, right? Yeah, of course. Dude, I didn't realize that voodoo floss, like the one that you use for your muscles to kind of like uh, re restrict blood flow and then get it back. I hadn't put two and two together, that that's actually a really good option as a turning kit. If you didn't have the other option, this is the one, it's like a little basically um, rolled up ball of rubber, more or less, that you could utilize. And it's a little bit thicker than maybe the ones that you'd use for um, like voodoo flossing. Um, but I just thought that was interesting that you could use that as long as you're tightening it down and then clamping it and um, as, a, as a useful tool. So that was, a, that was an interesting takeaway. One of the other takeaways I had was that obviously if you don't have a belt, if you don't have a turn kit, if you don't have a voodoo floss, you could have used a shoelace. I thought that was kind of interesting to think about. But one of the takeaways that he was saying is that he asked me, he goes, how long can you leave a tourniquet on for? And I said, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, 20 to 40 minutes at the most or whatever. 
He goes, well, it depends on the thickness of the, the unit itself that you're applying to the to the area. So if you have a, a, a thicker, you know, unit, like like a, like one of the professional tourniquets, you could leave that on maybe for up to, you know, I don't know, an hour, let's just say hypothetically. But if you were using a shoelace or something more thin, it, it, you can't keep it on as long because it puts too much pressure in a specific area and it ruins the veins. So I thought that was, that was an interesting takeaway that I hadn't thought through before. How did you like what prompted you taking this or, or having the kit? Was it like a specific thing? Um, yeah. How, I mean, well, cause in, my, well, cause in my car, um, I have some stuff and one of those things is like this individual eye fact. It's like this, like, I don't know. It's like this pouch. And when you open it up on the left is like things for like, um, uh, uh, blood. And on the right is like pressure dressing. And there's like different types of things. So you have like, um, these uh these chest wounds right so let's just say you're having a, a sucking chest wound and you know apply some type of, like sticker or unit there's that right and then there's also this other side where you have um like the gauze that has like the um the quick clot in it and then the turning kit for for like bleeds and so i had all these tools in it and i didn't know how to use them and i'm like dude well why would i have these tools and carry them around with me if i don't even know how to apply them and that was what sparked me reaching out to a buddy over at the police department and, and taking this course from him. And he showed me videos and all kinds of stuff. It was, it was, it was a, it was a really good takeaway. And I think for anybody who's interested in emergency first aid, it was worth the time. Um, but my major takeaways were, you know, how to apply a turn kit and how it could really save somebody's life. If you're able to, you know, especially if it's a, you know, if it hits one of your major arteries and, the other was how to apply like, you know, some pressure dressing and whatnot, and then how to apply these stickers and how you could utilize duct tape and different things to do it. But as I left, I reminded myself, I'm not an expert. I just got some basic information and I need to continue to learn that if I actually want to be able to apply it under stress, you know, it's one thing to do it on a mannequin or whatever. It's another thing when shit's hitting the fan and you got to revert back to your training. You know, I haven't had enough training to feel that confident in it. Yeah, I think that's another thing that's important to keep in mind when it comes to, you know, a lot of these things that you'll learn once and then hopefully not have to use ever. Um, so you're probably not revisiting it or, or thinking about it on, on a daily basis. You know, it is important to have some sort of reminder to revisit, you know, that information because, you know, 10 years from now, if, you know, hopefully you never have to pop that kid out, you don't have to think about this stuff. Like is that knowledge that you learned that's fresh in your mind right now going to still be fresh in your mind? Probably not, but it, it it's not like 10 years from now, it's going to be any less important. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that stuff's super important, man. Yeah. It was just, it was just, you know, a, another step in the direction of like constantly trying to educate myself on different skills. And I think that for people listening, it's, it's worth exploring. Um, and if nothing else, you could probably just look up some YouTube videos and order uh, a tourniquet online. Um, you know, it, that in particular, some of the other stuff, you know, talking about how to apply some of these dressings and push in and whatnot, maybe not everybody would even feel comfortable doing that because some of it's pretty gnarly, right? Um, but anyways, it just, I thought it would spark some conversation, at least for someone listening, it's worth talking about. So one of the other things that, that came up this week. Before yeah. we move on, I'm, I'm curious, yeah. Jane, what's the, what's like the gnarliest first aid situation you've ever been like in the vicinity of that, that you remember? Anything crazy in the gym or out of the gym? Um, that I've been in the vicinity of, I mean, I've seen, so I was on highway five. Now this is a, this is interesting. So between Southern California and Northern California, there's a, there's a highway in the middle of California called highway five. And on that five, 
people go relatively fast. It's straight, it's open, it's like a desert, more or less. And I was, we were driving behind this car and it was like an expedition that was loaded with a lot of people. And then on the back, it had like a, a tow hitch on it, but not a trailer, just like a hitch that had, it was loaded too. And I remember we had passed by it earlier or something. I looked at it, it as like, wow, that car's really riding, like in my terms, like, oh, that car's riding dirty because it was pretty low. And so sure enough, somehow this car passed us and it was probably going maybe 75 miles an hour, fully loaded expedition with a unit on the back of it. And I was just thinking to myself in my head, I'm like, wow, that's a pretty, that's a lot of weight to be going this fast. And sure enough, we're right behind it. And this car's tire blows out and this car flips multiple times right in front of us. And, um, it ends up on the side of the road. So immediately I pull over, um, we call 911, of course, and I get out, um, at the time of my car, I had a little bit of basic first aid kit. I didn't have this first aid, but I had basic first aid. I don't, I don't think I had an AED in my car at the time, but I just had basic first aid. And I just wanted to get out and go see if we could help. And that was pretty traumatic. I mean, there was like, I want to say there was eight people in the vehicle and by the act of, you know, whoever they pray, I mean, no one was extremely injured, but this car flipped with like, I'm talking, there was like five or six kids, not seat belted in just in the back seat and whatnot. And there was a little bit of blood. It was a little bit dramatic, but overall um, everybody was okay. That was probably the most scary. We've had other things happen in the gym, of course, that were probably worse, but that was the most scary because it was so like, boom, right at the moment we got out of the car, we're running up to his me, my father-in-law and my, and Ashley. And it, we were shook for a while, man. It was, it was, it was traumatic. Dude, that that's, was, yeah, that was ours. That's crazy. Th that's nowhere near what I was expecting when I asked that question. That's crazy. Dude, I, you know, cause when how long, up, how long ago was that? Um, that was probably like maybe a year ago, but the hardest a year part ago. Was, yeah. The hardest part was that you, you, it was also like, it was COVID time. It was just weird, man. Cause like, it was like COVID. And like, at that point, like people were kind of, maybe it was like a year, year and a half. People were pretty like, worried about COVID. We ran out. We're like, dude, if we're gonna get COVID over this, like, fuck it, we gotta go. And so we ran up there and we just did our, you know, try to help. But it was the, it was, I could only imagine how extreme situations can get. Like if you read like Tim Kennedy's book and some of this other stuff, this was like a fraction of that because you hear the kids just like screaming out of like, um, they were scared, right? And none of them were actually severely injured, but they were just really scared. When the ambulance and police and everything showed up, they were shocked, shocked that no one had um, seriously gotten injured because there were so many people packed into a car that really shouldn't have been. And no one was seatbelted in. Dude, that, that is, is wild. I, you know, I've been very fortunate that I, I don't think I've ever been, I'm trying to think, I don't think I've ever been in something, you know, remotely as, as jarring that, you know, you're put in this position where it's like, you know, like serious fight or flight. Like I've had, you know, like smaller little, like, like you said, like gym related injuries, stuff that like, you know, you're worried at the time and have to call someone in, but you know, nothing, nothing compared to that. But I think the, the interesting point there, and they talk about this in the sheepdog course, uh, obviously is, you know, you can't really prepare for that elevated state of stress and shock that you'll be in and how clearly you'll be able to think, how you'll be able to remember the things you trained, how you'll be able to act logically and not emotionally at the time until you're really there. And you also can't like, you can't recreate though that situation in any way. Like you just can't, right? Like it's impossible to recreate. So the best thing you can do is repetition, repetition, and just make sure that this, th that whatever it is that you're trying to learn to be able to apply. And this even applies to, you know, competing, for example, like we talked about your BJJ sure. tournament last time, like 
being on the competition floor is something that you can't simulate in practice. Doing first aid in like a real life or death situation is not something you can simulate when you practice. So what you have to do is practice so much that it's not something that you necessarily have to almost consciously think about when, you know, your hormones are elevated, you're freaking out, like you're, you know, shit hit the fan. Like that needs to be second nature, both in yeah. sport and in emergency. Yeah. I mean, something that I did, and I think we talked about this a little bit ago. So one, a few of the things I used to do for competing in CrossFit, and then I kind of did the same thing in jujitsu. Um, one of the things I did was I would, I would religiously, like, this is like very common for me. I would try and go into the gym. I think we talked about this. I would take like three or four shots of espresso. Yeah. I would turn the music up as loud as humanly possible. And I would try and put myself at like the biggest fight or flight mode I could get and then see if I could still perform. But it really goes down to just like training reps, right? Spending 10,000 hours. That's why these guys who are going out there and doing some crazy things, they get more, you know, it, they've trained for so many years to get ready for it. It's the same thing in CrossFit or even in jujitsu, right? Like there's times where I'll be in jujitsu and I'll be rolling. And my body will just be doing things before my brain can catch up with it because I've just trained it so many times and so many reps. And, you know, with first aid and especially emergency first aid, I can't say that I have that, that level of, <laughs> of confidence, but I took a step in that direction. And, um, you know, that's kind of like what I wanted to, you know, you know, it, here's another cr crazy story for you. I don't know if I've ever said this on a, um, on a podcast before. Um, this was like maybe two, three years ago. It was like heart of COVID. And myself, Ashley, and the kids were walking back from my in-laws' house to our house. And at the time, it was probably like a mile. And it was maybe like 9 p.m. So we're walking down the street, and we hear this girl just screaming, screaming for her life. Let me go. Let me go. You're hurting me. Like, I mean, just screaming at the top of her lungs, just scared out of her mind. Like that type of like, like that, like that voice, you know, something's going wrong. So we're walking and I'm with the kids and I hear this and I'm like, oh shit. I was like, here we go. And so we hear it coming from like down a dark alley. This I'm not making this up. And so we're walking. I look at Ashley. I'm like, hey, you've, you've told me this story. So I can attest to the fact that you're, you're not making this up like this. This sounded just as genuine last the first time I heard it. And it, Dude, it's crazy. I just look at Ashley. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And that's one of those moments where like, I mean, you know, you kind of had to make a decision, like, what are you going to do? And so I end up walking down this dark alley by myself. Ash and the kids are like in the, in the street and I'm, I'm walking down, walking down. And I don't know what to expect. I just hear this girl just, I mean, she is going absolutely mayhem. I mean, she is just going out of her mind and I'm just thinking, okay, she's getting kidnapped. She's getting whatever. So I walk around the corner of this house and it was pitch black. And I see this guy trying to throw this girl in the back of a, uh, of a van. And I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> this is not good. And sure enough, I, I, all, I, think, I, I think what I said to the guy, I was like, hey man, like, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, like, hey man, like, what are you doing? And he just looks at me, he's like, this is my daughter. She just took a bunch of pills. I need to go to the hospital right now to pump her stomach. You can call the police, do whatever you want, but I'm getting her in the car and I'm taking her right now. And uh, I was like, oh. And then I looked in the house, like the mom was trying to get out and the, like, it just, it all added up. And I ended up like just calmly walking back. But that was just one of like, it was just an like example of how like things can go so weird so quickly. And just, I don't know why I'm even bringing that up right now. It was just, it was just an example of like how shit can hit the fan so quickly. And that one, man, it got my heart rate spiked for like the next like two days. I was jacked up. 
Anyways. That is wild, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway. And that was in 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 Los Gatos, right? Like yeah, that was, that was in Los Gatos. It just it, it's just you know at the moment if you were there you would have realized like everything was adding up, uh, and then when you got to the moment where she was like, "Hey, I'm I'm basically my daughter's gonna have a drug overdose," you realize like how it all added up. Like she would have been screaming, she would have said, "Let me go," she would have said all those things. It just you know obviously, yeah. Anyways, um, I can only imagine what was going through your mind. <laughs> story time for today. Um, so, all right, I wanted to bring up something. A gym owner reached out to me and he brought something up and I thought it's worth discussing. He said that in his area, many gyms in his area actually, well, many the norm in his area is three on, one off. And that many gyms just have open gym on Thursday and are actually closed on Sunday. And it was really shocking to me because I thought that most owners at this point have pivoted from that. You know, I think when we first started in 2008, that's the way we ran it. And if I'm not mistaken, my first original CrossFit gym that I ever went to, if I'm not mistaken, ran it that same way. It was three on, one off type of thing. What's but the, I, um, where's the area? I'm just curious. Uh, Nebraska. Okay. So, you know, I think from a Sunday perspective, I can understand if it was like a religious, you know, situation where everybody's at church, et cetera. I could kind of, I could understand how a gym might decide that. But I was I was I was shocked to hear that Thursdays uh, they did not provide classes. That was that was shocking to me. So I thought I would I thought I would bring that up here because if you're a gym owner out there and you're still kind of shut down on Thursdays and Sundays, I think you just might be missing out on an opportunity. You should at least evaluate why you have that. And if the reason is just because you've had that for so many years, it might be a good time to think, hey, is it good for the business? If it is, we need to kind of do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting and kind of the perspective that I can bring to this, you know, since moving to, I mean, you've been here to yeah. a, a small town, right? Like mm-hmm. I live in super small town, you know, we're, we're an hour South of Austin and 45 minutes um, East of San Antonio. So a, around some big cities, but like where I am itself is pretty small. And I was surprised when I first moved here that like, you know, even the most popular barbecue place that people literally come down from from Austin to try is literally just open Thursday through Sunday. Like they're not open Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I think that sometimes, you know, when you're from big cities, you know, prior to this, lived in New York, lived in California, you're so accustomed to like things are just open all the time. Right. It's just the way it is. Like, don't you want my business? Like, why wouldn't you be open on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it is? Right. So I, do, I, I do think that, you know, sometimes we, we don't realize that there are still places where that's just the norm. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think that, that that doesn't mean that, you know, gym owners can't, you know, look to where they are and see if there's an opportunity by offering classes on those days. But it was surprising to me when we first moved here, how many places are closed, not only during the week, but I mean, on Sunday, nothing's open. There's very few things that are open on Sunday. Dude, I mean, yeah, look, and every culture is going to be different. I just think that as a gym owner, I was surprised to hear that you're going to be open on Thursdays, but have it as an open gym when, you know, I, I just think that every owner needs to look at their business from a variety of different angles. Like when we look at our gyms, we're saying, hey, where is there areas of opportunity? And we're constantly looking for ways to add more classes, add more, you know, et cetera, because with more classes, give more opportunity to get more members in the door. And if it doesn't make sense and you don't have the demand for it, of course, don't have a class because you don't want to you know, waste your money. 
But I guess my thing is, is like, if you're just doing it because that was what you started that way five, six, 10 years ago, it might be a good time to have a reflection and just see, hey, is it the right time to add another class, add that 5 a.m., add open gym on Sundays, maybe as a first step, and then depending on the demand, then add classes. And, you know, look, if Sundays are just a hard stop for you, I get it. Sundays around here at our gyms, they're not extremely busy, but definitely in the mornings, they're busy. Um, they're not the most busy day. Saturday's more busy. But I mean, if your members are coming in three days a week on average, and one of those three days for them is a Sunday, and you're not providing it to them, that's a little bit of a bummer. So just think it through and, and just ask yourself, hey, is this a good time to do a reflection? Maybe put out a member survey, see what members are talking about, and maybe add it just on a temporary basis, right? Hey, for the next 30 to 60 days, we're going to switch it up from an open gym model on Thursdays to having classes at these particular times. Based on the demand, we'll see if we go back to open gym or if we keep it the way it is. That's a, that's a good next step because it gives you an out if things didn't work out. I was going to ask you, like, what would be some good recommendations for someone that's thinking about adding classes to add it? But I think you, you, you answered it, you know, you hit the nail on the head with, you know, communicate that it's going to be temporary, try it out. I think a survey before the fact is a great tool to just ask your members, right? Like, would you like us to have classes on Thursday? Yeah. Let me ask you another question, though, that, you know, applies kind of the gym owner, but also the athlete. You know, what do you think of, you know, the, the, the approach where, you know, there's, there's a prescribed rest day, right? Because the reason a lot of gyms started with this three-on, one-off model is because, you know, that's what CrossFit preaches in, in, in the level one, right? And right. the thinking is if you're coming and trying to hit intensity day one, you're good to go. Day two kind of drops off a little. Day three drops off even more. Now you need day four to kind of like, you know, rebuild, recharge so that you can hit intensity again and you don't start hitting diminishing returns. Is that still valid? And why does that break down for, for the gym owner specifically? I think from like a modern era CrossFit gym, um, or even for that matter, just a modern era boutique training center, I, I think you cannot schedule rest days. I, I think that's a fact. Like you cannot tell your members that, hey, Wednesdays are rest days, Thursdays are rest days, Sundays are rest days. I, I don't think you could do that. I think that the demographic has grown big enough now that they want to have choices. And traditionally, most people, most of the time are not coming in on that schedule anyways. So I think the idea of having scheduled rest days as a gym, as a whole, I don't think works. I think as an individual, if you want to say, hey, I'm going to go in Monday, Tuesday, take Wednesday off, I'm going to hit Thursday, Friday, take Saturday off, et cetera. That's your individual choice. I think it can make sense for sure. Like Sundays are probably my least training volume day, just by the way that my schedule works out, where for the most part, I do self-defense Sundays with the kids. So it takes a little while for me to train them. I'm getting in movement because I'm training them, but I'm not really hitting it that, that hard on Sundays generally. But I think that as a gym owner, this idea of like having a scheduled rest day just doesn't, doesn't align with the business needs. The business needs should be, hey, we're going to provide premium classes every day. We're going to provide solutions for people. And, and then over time, if you see your classes aren't having demand, of course, make adjustments. But that's where I'd start. Yeah. You know, I think that as an industry, sometimes we shy away from looking at the F45s and orange theories of the world because, you know, we see them as, as kind of lesser, right? Like we're doing this thing that we kind of put on a pedestal, whatever that is, you call it CrossFit, you call it functional fitness. And a lot of these chains that are super successful, you know, we almost see as like, well, you know, it's, it's gone corporate or whatever you want to call it. But I think that, you know, one thing to look at them is that they're successful for a reason, right? 
And I think, you know, it's, it's something to note that you'll never go to an Orange Theory or an F45 and they're going to be like, oh, today's a rest day or, oh, today's, you know, just open gym. Like they're running classes all the time and yeah. they're going to welcome you and give you a killer workout any day of the week. And I think there's something, something to be said about that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that as an industry, and I think that CrossFit HQ, you know, um, I, I do think that there's going to be some changes that are coming down the pipeline. I, I don't know for sure, but I think with Don as a new CEO, I do think they're going to have some changes coming down the pipeline in terms of data. I'd like to see data coming out from HQ about what the average affiliate generates in revenue and how to help them create a sustainable business model where they're generating 30, 40, 50, a hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue. Um, you know, obviously depending on where they live and all there's so many factors in that, but it would be nice to see the data come out and to find the ones that are generating the higher revenue and to look at what they're doing and to see how other affiliates can, can model off that. And I'd imagine that most gyms that offer a variety of, you know, more classes than not have more members than not are probably more revenue than not. I imagine, um, you know, but that brings up a whole another situation, right? Where if you're, if you're a full-time, you know, police officer and you also own a gym, it's difficult to have classes all day, every day. It's also difficult to have classes every day. So, you know, that brings up a bigger question of, you know, you know, which one are you going to do and priority wise, but that's, that's a whole nother layer. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't mean to plug this now, but I think it's a, it's a really good time to, since this is going to come out. Hey, next, plug it, bro. Plug it. Next, next Thursday, the, the 22nd is when, you know, if you're listening to this, the day it drops, you know, I think a lot of what you're talking about here, if you're a gym owner listening is stuff that we're going to um, cover on this coach to CEO webinar series that we're doing with our friends at push press. So we'll include the link to register in, in the show notes for this episode here. But I highly encourage that if you want to hear us talk more about, you know, when to expand your team, how to hire the right people, and essentially just kind of go from beginning to end on how to, you know, become this, this coach operator that a lot of gym owners start as and really becoming the CEO of your gym business where, you know, you're driving the business, but not doing all the minutia that the business needs to just operate on a day by day basis sign up for this webinar series. Even if you can't make them live, there'll be recordings. The link will be in the show notes here. You definitely want to catch it. It's going to start on the last Wednesday of September and go for three consecutive Wednesdays thereafter. So just wanted to plug that because I think it's a really good way that if any gym owner is interested in hearing more about what you're talking about now, that's where we're going to go into like really good detail. And I think it's going to be a great series for anyone that's interested. Dude, I love it, man. I love it. I wanted to, you know, highlight a couple of things, you know, for me, my, my, my shoulder, I went in, I did a ton of like toes to bar or muscle ups or something like that, um, without warming up properly. And it was a good reminder for me. Now I'm having like really kind of open it up and use a lacrosse ball and my finger to kind of break up some junk there. It was a good reminder for me that I'm not, you know, 21 anymore and that I need to do a better job of, of warming up. You know, I preach this idea of warming up well. And when I'm in classes, of course I do, because I'm actually taking the class. But for some reason, more times than not, when I'm by myself, I don't do as good of a job warming up. And so something that's fresh on my mind is making sure I'm, I'm pretty sweaty before I actually start, especially more higher complex movements. Um, the other day I was with Zach, one of our coaches, and he was doing this workout with squat snatches. And he's like, dude, you want to try it? I was like, fuck. I was like, all right, like, you know, I got to do it. And so I jumped in, I ended up doing reps. I was, I was doing reps 
and reps and reps at like, you know, at, at, I ended up finishing at 190 pounds, which isn't crazy. But when you're doing reps at that for squat snatching, I think that's what tweaked my shoulder. So it was just a good reminder for me um, to warm up better. And then also post-workout, I've been incorporating more couch stretch work and more quad smashing work on a regular basis. Those are two things, you know, I, I found that when I tell myself, oh, I want to do all these different things, I never do it. So I'm trying to just motivate myself to do the quad stretch in particular for at least four minutes a day. And I know that doesn't sound like much, but that's a shitload more than I've been doing over the last couple of years. So one minute each side, two rounds is, is the current motivation for couch stretch. So why did you feel like you had to do it? Just because he asked? I mean, you know, I mean, I felt mean, I like I had, you know, I mean, because he had, he had, so I walk in the gym and he has a bar loaded up at 135. And like, you know, I kind of started doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And then all of a sudden he started and I just watched him like get after him. Like, all right, all right. Like he's at 135, he's at 150, he's at 170, 180, 190. And he's doing reps along the, 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 you know, whatever. And I asked him afterwards, I'm like, dude, what was that? He goes, oh, I did 30 seconds max reps here, 40 seconds max reps here, 60 seconds, and then finish at 90 seconds, whatever it was. He's like, dude, you want to try it? I want to see how my scores compare to yours. And I'm like, well, naturally, I got to give it a shot. So I just jumped right in. Cole, naturally. I didn't, yeah, naturally. And uh, I mean, I may or may not have, you know, performed better than him, but oh he's, my God. he's coming up, dude. He's coming up. You got to get Zach Reigns on the podcast. Dude, we got to um, get Zach and have him. Uh, yeah, I talk some shit to him sometimes. So he's, he's That's good though. That's good. You need a little yeah. shit talk to get fitter. It's yeah. one of the, I think one of the key recipes to improving your fitness is having a good training partner that will talk shit and like really, really kind of get you going. The shit talk is a, a essential ingredient. Oh dude. I think, I think that for fitness and then obviously, you know, not to plug jujitsu, but having good training partners in jujitsu is, is so incredibly yeah. important. Yeah, it, because sure. if you don't, if you don't have people that you could, you know, kind of similar abilities, similar weights, et cetera, it's very, very difficult, um, which adds a whole other layer to owning a jiu-jitsu gym compared to a CrossFit style gym. But yes, in regards to that workout, it was just a good reminder for me that like my ego sometimes will get there. Like I think all 21 again, just hop in and I got to remind myself to take a little bit more time, prime the motor, not to mention if I prime the motor better, I'll perform better too. So that's something that you know, I think I need to reflect on a little bit more and make sure I'm adding in. And then post-workout, four-minute quad stretch, uh, couch stretch. That's where your back foot is up on a wall and your front foot's forward. You can just YouTube it. Look at our friend, uh, Kelly Sorrett. He talks about it all the time. So you've said twice now that you're not 21 anymore. How old are you? And if you can remember, was there like a specific age where you felt like there was a difference? Like where you felt like, you know, recovery changed, like that, like just endless energy change. I mean, you still have endless energy, but you know what I mean? Like, where did you feel like there was definitely a, a switch? So from an energy remember. perspective, like I feel, I feel hella good right now in the last, oh, like I, whatever. I, I, oh, I know it. Energy is yeah. not an issue, but you energy know what I mean? Like, like yeah, recovery, like I think it's recovery and just like the body having, I think honestly, so when I was 30, um, 30, right? So I'm turning 37 October 2nd. So this will release September, whatever. Um, I, my birthday is October 2nd. So I'll be 37. Um, and this guy loves his birthday. Oh yeah. Got to celebrate. But <laughs> Ava got diagnosed with leukemia in 2016. So that was what four, 
six years ago. So after Ava got diagnosed and I was 30, I think that diagnosis in my age started to like compound. And so over the next couple of years, my body started to feel a little bit more beat up. Um, so it was probably like in my early 30s. I think a lot of it had to do with the stress though of just being in the hospital oh, a sure. lot. Um, so so that's, that's ultimately when it started to catch up. But now I actually feel better than I did like three or four years ago. So I think what happened was, you know, diagnosis, I kind of fell off, like my training was still fine. I still used fitness, obviously, but just, it was just a different mindset. And then now I'm more in like a comp competitor's mindset. My body's actually feeling better today than it did three years ago, which is really cool. Um, that's a, you know, I'm, I'm not complaining. That's interesting. Um, just cause I, I, I'm, I'm curious as to what age, you know, you felt the difference, but I think it's a unique question for you because you know the the wear and tear of training for the CrossFit Games, and then the wear and tear of of like you said, the diagnosis with Ava, like that's something that is really hard to quantify because it's not like you know you're bashing yourself in the gym, but just the constant stress and kind of you know the the, the emotional weight of going through that um, is definitely something that takes a toll. I'm I'm sure, and so it makes sense that around that time is when you you felt the difference. Yeah, and I think anybody going through anything, right? Whether that's a, you name it, it will take a toll on you physically, right? And maybe even in your business as an entrepreneur, you know, you, you go through some really stressful times. Like last night I was on the phone with someone for a long time who was not, you know, extremely pleasant to to be having a conversation with. And that that heightened my stress for sure. And you, know, you gotta learn how to cope with that effectively. You know, things like the sauna, cold plunge, exercise, those are all healthy ways that I've found to kind of release some of that stress. But at the end of the day, you got to be real about it, that that stress is going to come into your life and you got to find a way to you know mitigate it as much as possible. But that's ultimately where I'm at. But I feel better today than I did a couple of years ago. So for that reason alone, like, dude, I'm, I'm jacked up. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. You know, like I'm going to hit class today and I'm going to try and beat everybody in it. it friendly, of course. And then and, and I'm going to go after it. I mean, and it's going it, to, yeah, it's just the way it is, man. It's good. This guy's always fired up. Um, yeah, I have, I, a, I, too. I have a funny story. Um, well, interesting story because you we were just talking about, you know, like being 21 again and, and kind of getting after it and competing with Zach. So I went back to New York this past weekend, really quick trip. We flew in on Saturday, flew back Monday night, which was a nightmare, by the way, but that's a different story. Um, our really good friends from the gym were having their wedding. Um, but Sunday morning, so Sunday, the day of the wedding, you know, a bunch of us got together, went back to the gym where, you know, we're, we're all friends from and, and got after it. And it was funny because going into it, Dennis, who is the owner of the gym and, you know, was, was our coach when we were all training, was the one that was going to come up with the workout. And we were thinking, you know, like most of us aren't training anywhere near how we used to train before. You know, I haven't done a CrossFit workout in like in, in months. Um, so we're thinking we're going to do like a team workout, you know, like maybe push some sleds, do some double unders, you know, have fun a little bit. And we get there and he makes us do uh, 14.5, I think it is. So the one that's 21, 18, 15, 12, 9, 6, 3 thrusters and burpees over the bar. And, um, but is were, were you able to get up the toilet the next day or what? Oh, dude, it was rough. Today's the first day that I feel like my, my legs feel okay. But it was, it was just funny. His, his reasoning for why I thought was perfect. You know, it was like, you know, we're all getting together. It's been years since all of us, like that big of a group was there to work out. Yeah. And he was like, 
the perfect thing for us to do is like the last thing any of us wants to do. He wouldn't tell us what the workout was. And he was like, literally, what's the last thing you want to do right now? And that pretty much ended up Dude, being what we that did. That summarized it. Thrusters and burpees, 100%. Oh, 100%. And, Especially and so if you did it on Saturday. Stuff, it was a nightmare. So did you do it on a Saturday or Sunday? We did it on Sunday. And so today's Thursday. And so just now are you able to, so were you in that position where, dude, when you just try and like sit down anywhere, you had to like kind of use something to help you up. And like, did your ass was just on, was it your, was it your butt and your quads that were the worst or something else? Your chest? Mostly quad. I mean, it was just mostly quads. It was like, yeah. like 90% quads, like 10% like felt it in other places. Honestly though, honestly, I thought it was going to be a lot worse. Like it was definitely bad. I was super, super sore. And it didn't help that on our flight back on Monday, it was supposed to be a 9 p.m. flight that got into Austin at midnight, which wasn't Ooh, ideal to begin that's with. That's already a shitty flight. But it got delayed. So we got onto the plane at 9.45. We sat on the tarmac because there was a storm for oh, two and a half hours. No. I didn't get back to the house Tuesday morning until 4.30 a.m. And no. it was an hour drive from the airport to the house because, I mean, we don't live right around the corner. It was that probably had something to do with just how terrible we felt for the past couple of days, you know, and Ariel's like yeah, seven pregnant. months pregnant. Yeah. Oh dude, it was, it was, it was gnarly, but it was the funny part is all that being said, it was a lot of fun and it was just a great, great, like throwback to how times were when we all used to throw down is, you know, a bunch of us that got together, didn't have kids back then, obviously, and now had kids and like the kids were running around the gym. Um, yeah. And we all did that workout. It was, you know, it was what it was. And it, um, just a good reminder that, you know, we've also, even though we haven't been training the way we've used to, we've all maintained our fitness to a point yeah. where like, it wasn't a problem. Like, sure. I was sore for two days, but like, you know, that's a pretty gnarly workout and you know, we, we, we got through it. Okay. Unscathed. Yeah, it just goes to show how you could like that compounding interest we talk about. Mm -hmm. For so many years, you've been putting in, you know, money into the fitness bank that, you know, you could even not expose yourself to those similar movements for a while and come back to it and still be able to perform pretty well. And I'm seeing that right now on lifts and things like that, that I've been working on the last couple of weeks. Um, but dude, that's awesome, man. I'm glad you got to go out there and do that. That's a shitty flight back, man. That sucks. Oh, I'm so rough. I'm heading out your way next week. So I'll be on, um, actually this week. So when this releases, ADCC just got finished. I'm going to ADCC in, in Vegas uh, to go watch uh, Mason Fowler, who we've been training uh, you know, a lot. Um, he's going to go compete, and I hope he takes home the W, and I, I feel like he's prepared for it. And then uh, next week, dude, when, um, when this releases, actually, I'll be in uh, Austin with you. So we, uh, maybe we got to record something in person if it works out. Yeah, no, I'd love that. In person, always better. Oh, dude, we should probably do something with Tim Kennedy because we're going to be with him, huh? No brainer. Fuck, dude. Brilliant. Oh, brother. All right. I well, have, dude. Um, well yeah. I'll tell you in a little bit. We don't have to talk about this later. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, guys. So if you're a gym owner out there, make sure to check out the Coach to CEO uh, webinar series that we're doing. I think that's going to be a lot of value add. Also, um, here with me uh, is actually Jaime. Uh, Jaime's been with us for many, many years. I'll actually show you if you're watching this on film. I'm actually at our Campbell office. That's Jaime right there. Jaime is going to be recording um, vlog style content with us uh, every week. And so he's just kind of giving a glimpse into some of the things that I'm working on personally and kind of a, a sneak peek. So make sure to check out uh, on my Instagram and also on YouTube. We're going to start putting out a lot more content and hopefully it'll be a bunch of value add types things. So make sure to check out YouTube. 
and Instagram for the vlog. And then make sure to check out the podcast show notes for um, the coach to CEO. And if you're just an athlete or not just an athlete, if you're an athlete out there, if you're a coach out there, keep crushing in the gym. And if you're an entrepreneur and we can help you out in any way, hit me up on social. Gabe, always love chatting with you, man. Uh, we went off on a few tangents today, but that's when it keeps it fun. It's a fun episode. It's a good one. Good stories. Good stories. All right, guys. Keep crushing in the gym. Crush outside the gym. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you.